and welcome to Material Issues. This is episode number 38, if you can believe it. 37 in the bags, 38 on top right now. Joining me as always, my very good friend from the West Coast and the International Pop Overthrow Festival, Mr. David Bash. David, how are you feeling tonight? I'm doing well, Mark. Uh, how are you? I'm fantastic, you know. Uh, been very, very busy with so many things, uh, all kinds of announcing stuff going on, and, and work, and ev- all kinds of stuff. But I look forward to these Wednesdays, and uh, always, and they're always a whole lot of fun. Always get a lot of great comments, uh, post shows about these things. So um, I'm glad we're doing this. I'm glad to be doing it with you, my friend. That's how's what she I, said. That's what she said. How's uh, how's uh, How's IPO life treating you right now? It's, um, it, it's interesting. I'm going to have some news. To, hey, Andy. Going to have news tomorrow. Uh, good evening. <laughs> uh, we're not sure who you are. Um, we have to be a little bit clearer to people about how, when their comments come up, we can see their names. Andy, maybe Andy can tell us because he's done it. Uh, whatever, what is it. Andy, what is it that you did? to enable us to see your name when your comments come up because a lot of the comments just say facebook user so clearly they didn't do what you did yeah i think i think they probably haven't joined the actual group maybe Um, i think these people are group members it may have to do with no i don't know andy george that was my my buddy george that's on he's uh he's a little suspect with everything he does anyway Uh, (laughs) right He's running from the law mostly. Uh, it's all it's all right. Good to see you, George. It's all good. Yeah. Um, no more tomorrow. Anyway, I'll have uh, I'll have some news about a particular IPO tomorrow. Um, uh, beyond that, I'm still working on several of them. I'm uh, I just secured a, a a particular venue for LA, um, the Redwood Bar and Grill, which is a very cool place in the downtown area. We've got a few dates there. We'll have a few dates at Molly Malone's, which we use every year. And uh, I need to find some new venues because some of the ones, hey, some of the ones that uh, that we had used due to COVID and other uh, factors are either closed or have gone in a different direction, which usually means we're not doing live music anymore unless it's cover bands. Otherwise, it's just DJs, and it's like, ah, damn. Yeah. But that's the way of the world these days, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's well, not likely gotta... to change that soon. So we we all really need to be thankful for any venue that is still uh, welcoming a live original music. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to compete with cover bands, and it's uh, it's tough to compete with DJs. It's you know they're doing stuff that's familiar to people. Uh, you know, people are more are more secure with things they know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so uh, it's a tough road. But that, that's why people need to subscribe and, and join us here on Material Issues because it's going to broaden their horizon, you know, for a uh, number of artists that they may not be familiar with. I know we have a lot of fans and people that that uh, watch the show because they are familiar with these artists. That's kind of our that's kind of our niche. But I know there's people that check in here and. And to see what's going on, they look at the archives. 
they're learning about some uh yeah, I mean, with. yeah. I think I think our sub- subscribers are more open-minded than the average person. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, thankfully so, because you know, if if not for them, live original music would have nobody coming to see them. Um, right. as yeah. good as these bands are, you know, for most people who are more conventional in their thinking if it's a choice between something they don't know and something they know and like, they're going to always opt for what they know and like, and, you know, cover bands, DJs, that's what they play. So, um, you know, and I'm not trying to disparage them, you know, they, it it is what it is. And, uh, you know, DJs, uh, you know, cool DJs play really good songs and they mix them well. Um, you know, and, Good cover bands really, you know, they uh, they know how to show some authenticity. So, you know, you go to StreamYard. Okay, so StreamYard is the is the platform that we use. You click the button that says "Let StreamYard see your comments," then come back here. So, oh, thank you, Andy. Um, I assume is it StreamYard.com or yeah. All right, so yeah, and everyone who, um, if you haven't done so and you want your name to come up. When you when you leave a comment to where I mean we can see the name on the Facebook page for material issues after the fact, but we can't see it uh, uh, live. Yeah, so when you, you go to Streamyard and, uh, and enable that, so you know so head you, on over to Streamyard.com and follow the steps, and uh, cool. we'll be good. Anyway, enough about that. It's time to bring on our guest. And, yes, indeed. Uh, you know this is a gentleman that you know I've had the privilege to know now for several years. He's uh, he's played uh, my uh, international pop overthrow festival in Liverpool. He was uh, one of the main men of a very very cool band that was part of the mod revival in the mid '80s. Uh, since then, he's uh, formed a couple of other bands and has done, if I'm not mistaken, three solo albums, including a brand new one called "A Balloon to the Moon," which is out on CD and LP. Um, I'm privileged to have both. Anyway, he's an awesome singer-songwriter, a fine gentleman, and uh, we really are pleased to welcome him here. So without further ado, would you please give a huge material issues welcome to Mr. Paul Bevoir. Good evening, Paul. Hello. There he is. Oh, is there any way I can remove me from the... (laughs) (laughs) That might make for a very interesting interview. No, no, I just mean that, you know, it's like, it's distracting because I kind of can see me moving in the bottom of the screen. Uh, Just just avert your eyes. That's about all I can tell you. (laughs) I guess we're used to it. Hey, Paul, where are you joining us from tonight? Where's home for you? I'm back in London. I was living in Barcelona for the last uh, three years in Spain, um, but I, I came back. Uh, well, for many reasons, mostly the whole thing with COVID was just impossible for anyone to come and see me, or for me to go and see anybody. So right. I, I missed out on a lot of uh, contact with my family. How did you? How did you end up moving to Spain and getting associated with a lot of Spanish uh, acts? Uh, I mean, and one, of course, was kind of named after uh, your band, Cola Jet Set. How did that all happen? Um, yeah. Do you remember MySpace? Sounds <laughs> uh, familiar. David's not old enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it was so strange because, you know, all, all the years that you make records, you never really know 
where they go, who buys them or anything, you know, you had no idea. And one day when my daughters were young, they were sitting next to me on a computer and they were on this thing called MySpace. And I was saying, what's that? And they were saying, oh, it's a thing where you, you know, you can make a profile for yourself. And you should do it for your music. So I said, okay, so I did it. And within like literally hours of, of opening it up, all these people were coming on and saying, hey, you know, I, I'm from here, I bought your record, and, you know, I always make the same joke, oh, it was you, I wondered who it was. <laughs> you're the one, yeah. And yeah, you're the one, mystery solved, you know. <laughs> and, and suddenly all these people, so many from Spain, that, you know, you, you had no idea. I mean, we were lucky enough to do a TV show in Spain in the 80s, but but you don't really know what sort of impact it has because it's there and you don't see it here and that's it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, suddenly all these, a lot of Spanish groups and artists, you know, uh, who were amazingly successful <laughs> in Spain were all saying, oh, I'm such a huge fan. And so obviously became friendly with quite a few of them. And one guy in particular who was is very successful, uh, was approached to do some TV shows in in Spain, uh, some to write the music for some kids TV shows, cartoon shows, one for the Disney Channel and one for something else. And he asked me if I'd be interested in writing the songs with him. So you know, I thought, well, well, go on then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, uh, I was lucky enough to do that, which was great. And those shows were really successful. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, they had like toys and you know, books and soundtrack albums. And my voice was in a toy, you know, it was amazing. Really. Isn't that something though, how, how something like MySpace, yeah. you know, where, where you yeah. just kind of say, all right, I'll just do this. Yeah, it, was just, it, it really just, changed, it changed your whole life. It changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, the internet in general, I suppose, yeah. but yeah. in such an amazing way, you know, I mean, never would have dreamed, you know, yeah. So it, um, so working with these bands is what prompted you to move there permanently? Yeah, it was it was um, particularly I was doing a lot of stuff with La Sinette. Do you know, I don't remember them? We played at um yes. at the IPO a few times. Uh, yeah, and it was just so much easier because before then it was like kind of doing demos, sending them over, they were doing vocals, then going over to Spain to do the recordings and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. so it just seemed I was doing so much there, it just seemed easier to to move there and, and sure. yeah, and then when, when you went to Spain, was there a marked difference? Which I think there probably was in the live scene oh, uh, in Spain as yeah. it was yeah. from London. Absolutely, I mean, I don't know if it's to do with the weather, the culture, it, everything about it was like you know, people go to see gigs there and they're happy to you know, because it's warm in the evenings, they can travel easy. You know, in London, it's really hard to get anybody out. It's always so cold. <laughs> um, so from that point of view, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, they, they, and, they, and also they're not so fickle. I mean, I, I, I think it's a particularly English thing that uh, people, you know, they like somebody for a while, but then they move on, you know. The flavor or, of the week. Uh, yeah, whereas I, I find, particularly with Americans, actually, they're completely the opposite, you know I mean? They once they like somebody, they stick with them, you know. Yeah, wow. yeah. Well, I think I think a certain generation uh, well, is yeah. very much like that. Um, um, and, and I have yeah, I have two daughters, twenty seven and twenty three. My twenty seven year old will live and die with an act that she discovered ten years ago, and yeah. still yeah. tries. 
But my 23-year-old, it's like, okay, I liked them maybe last week or two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, now, right. um, it's it's yeah. who's who's new. It's really different that way. But I think you do find in Spain, uh, people will at least open up their ears to a lot oh, yeah. of different things. Sure. And, and, and yeah, yeah. yeah do you think? Do you think the? Uh, I'm sorry. Do you think the siesta that they have is, is <laughs> a factor? I've I've heard from Span from Spanish music fans that that really does help. In, yeah, in whole, they have energy to go out at night and stay out at night. It's true, and the whole, also the whole culture is later. You know, they eat later. They do everything later. You know, like they have their evening meal at nine or ten o'clock, whereas in the UK, people have eaten their evening meal at seven o'clock in the evening. You know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, right. so yeah, it's a, it's a kind of yeah, more laid back and later sort of culture. Well, plus, in the UK, they're they're eating too many curries and their stomachs are upset <laughs> by about eight thirty nine o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, grew, uh, you you grew up in uh, Islington, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um. Any other any other famous bands from that area? Um, at the time. Um, who was from Chris Farlow was from Islington? Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> um, later, um, Spandau Ballet were all from Islington. Oh wow! Uh, I'm yeah. to, think. Um, to cut a long story short, <laughs> yeah, I, <can't> <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot, but were, were you were you listening? Were you listening to the typical stuff that te you know that young boys and teenage boys were listening to, or did did you go off the path a little bit? Uh, yeah, I probably went off the path earlier because my, my dad worked in a record shop when he was young. So he had a really oh, wow. big record collection, a lot of 78s, you know. So wow. when I was a child, I was just listening to everything that was in the house, you know, and I became a fan of like Johnny Ray and Frankie Lane and, and Sinatra and, you know, all those people wow. that typically guys my age wouldn't have been interested in, you know. So I was liking all that stuff. And 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 obviously all the stuff when I was a teenager, all your T Rex and Rod Stewart and all that, that kind of music, and then suddenly, obviously in seventy six, seventy seven, everything just blew up, yeah, yeah. upside down, you know? yeah. and the whole punk thing happened. And I I was just at the perfect age for that, you know. Suddenly it appealed to me on a level that I think these are guys like me, you know. They're not like Rod Stewart in his Lamborghini and his leopard skin jacket, you know. These are Guys that are, you know, from my area. In fact, Johnny Rollins from Finsbury Park, where I grew up, he's talking about where <laughs> Islington, wow. that's where he was from, yeah. Wow, okay. And so, yeah, they were sort of almost like people that you recognised, you know, and you could see in the street, you know, and and also never thinking that you'd be able to do it yourself. You know, the, those guys before that, you know, your Mark Bolands and Rod Stewart and all those kind of people, they were like up there, rock gods, untouchable, you know, and you think that's just never going to be for, possible for me to do, you know. But the whole punk ethos changed that completely, you know. Yeah. And, and it, it was funny because my dad used to come in and listen to me here playing Johnny Ray records or Rod Stewart or whatever it was. And then suddenly I had Anarchy in the UK on the record. And he's going, what the hell is this? You know, it's fantastic, you know. Oh, you so, liked it? Yeah, I loved really? it. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely loved it. I was 16, you know, and it was suddenly, it was really exciting, you know. And, no, no, uh, but did your dad like it? 
Oh no, my dad didn't like. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's what you were saying. Your dad loved it. I was like, no, no, no. no my, dad. <laughs> my parents were going to have me committed. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to like it, was he? Let's face it. You know. It so yeah, it was interesting that I, at the same time though, in 1976, I went to see Johnny Ray at the London Palladium. He did like oh, wow. a, his yeah. anniversary gig from his 56 gig with the Ink Spots and Billy Daniels or something like that. And I went with my mum, you know, I was 16, you know. So I was buying punk records, but I'd still wanted to go and see Johnny Ray at the London Palladium, you know. <laughs> Which is interesting because when you talk about a, a lot of the, you know, the, those old acts that you listen to from 78s and things, how much of an influence um, in in the way they sang and the way the lyrics were, was was it on you? Because I can I can see how you were influenced by some of that older. Oh yeah, for music. sure. Yeah, I mean um, the punk thing. The punk thing for me was very short lived. It evolved into new wave and power pop, which was much more up my street. You know, I mean right. when when bands like Blondie and Elvis Costello people like that came along who were doing more sort of traditional kind of not so in your face, you know, angry pop, like the punks. I, I loved all that, you know, the whole thing, Nick Lowe, the Rubinos, the Rubinos oh, yeah. were just my dream band, you know? And uh, so Al, Al, Al Chan might be on here. He, he checks I love, I love Al Chan. <laughs> He's a lovely guy. But, but you, um, but you, you know, when you started, it seemed like uh, you, you were more um, associated with the mod scene than with anything else. How did that happen? Um, the, it, the they, perception. I, I mean, we the jet set. I wouldn't say, and most kind of hardcore mods wouldn't have associated the jet set as a as a mod band. But I think it was a band that mods liked, or some mods liked, you know. But we weren't your typical mod band really we were more we wanted to be the monkeys obviously right you know that was when did that, you first start hearing the monkeys uh when i was a child you know 60s i was seven eight years old when the oh, you did okay you know so it, i used to come home from school and and watch it and love it you know so so suddenly when you're 20 you think oh yeah if i'm gonna make a group i want it to be like the monkeys you know so, <laughs> which <laughs> which is kind of like which is kind of going away from the uh, you know the ethos that you're looking at. You're 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 loving the punk scene. You yeah, know? you're listening to your old seventy eights, but you're like, I want to be like the monkeys. You know? yeah, yeah, which, yeah, which you know, yeah. lyric lyrically and and musically, yeah, you, you could draw a lot of that from from what you've done. But oh, yeah. it's it's a funny yeah. mix of things, and then say, well, I want to I want to be like this. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and oh, I mean, the other thing that my parents listened to, which obviously I loved, is is like Burt Backrack and stuff like that, you know, which really was huge for me, you know. Yeah, covering all that all over your solo work for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's Burt Backrack and Jimmy Webb in particular just oh, didn't get much better than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first band? Uh, the first band, oh, we had a band called oh, called the Cyclones, you know, one of those typical bad names that, you know, look good in a twister kind of thing, you know. Um, that was when we were about 13 or 14, something like that. Uh, it didn't last long. But, but funny enough, the guy who was the singer in the Cyclones, who, who was my best friend from childhood, Melvin, he, he became the singer in the Jets there, you know, so... 
Right, all right. <laughs> you know, and 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 yeah, and that Mickey the drummer who still plays with me now, he was in that band when we were thirteen years old. So, you know, still going, yeah. still going on. Yeah, wow. yeah. So it's funny, really. Yeah, some things. The Jet Set were to me were a really unique band in that you had you know Melvin Melvin J Melvin Taub. He sang with a you know with a very pronounced Cockney accent. Yeah, uh, which, which which some of the mods did, but the kind of music you did, which was more you know kind of '60s inspired bubblegummy. Yeah, we didn't hear too many vocalists like that, so that no, no, it was stand just, out quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was it worked for us. <laughs> it did, and you also, I mean, as your love of the monkeys, did that? Is that what? Uh, kind of inspired the Jetsmobile and your look? And yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the idea, we had a producer, a manager called Paul Bultitude. I don't know if he was, I don't know if you know about him. He was in, oh, yeah. he was in Mary Wilson's band and uh, he was in Secret Affair, who were a big mod band in that mod revival team. Right. Yep. And he kind of, we got very friendly with him and he was happy to work with us. And in the end, he really became our sort of mentor and producer and manager and everything. And a lot of those monkey creative ideas came came from him i have to be honest you know we were going along for the ride <laughs> in the, uh, speak, yeah. you know so where, where is the jetsmobile now oh, do you know somebody asked me that recently and i thought uh, <laughs> you know it was really funny because it was my dad's car originally oh. and then melvin bought it from my dad you know, and then when we when we had the band, we thought, wow, that car would be perfect because it was black and white. You know, we had these kind of black and white uniforms, you know, so it was really perfect for for the band. Yeah, but I, I think somebody should make a documentary, you know, to try and find out where that car is. It's probably crushed into a cube or something. <laughs> <laughs> we found, we found <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Well, so so you so you had a first band going on at age thirteen or so. Yeah. How yeah. how did things evolve into Jet Set? Right around what what uh, what year are we talking here? Whenever uh, nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty, we did nineteen eighty. Uh, yeah. We had a kind of a bit of a, a very more obvious mod band in seventy nine when that whole mod revival thing happened. They were called um, uh, the Double Agents, and we did a few gigs. Because I was at school with a group, all my friends at school uh, formed a group called Bad Manners. I don't know if you know them. Oh, yes. Yeah, they were all in my, yeah, it was a Ford Capri. Yeah. <laughs> Andy got it right. Send him a t-shirt. Yeah, the, the drummer of Bad Manners, Brian, was in, in my class. So when they started to get a lot of gigs, just before they broke, we were lucky enough to do, uh, get support gigs with them, you know, so we did that whole kind of just as that whole mod two-tone thing was happening you know mm -hmm. but to be honest it wasn't really me you know it, it was a bit yeah. too it was a bit too uh i don't know aggressive maybe i was not maybe that's not the right word but you, you never had a scooter then <laughs> but did you feel that did you feel that way as as you were performing as you were doing this stuff were you kind of like just like Mm. Yeah, and uh, no, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I, I just felt that it was a bit, it was a bit limited, you know, in what you could do, and uh, I wanted to do more kind of much more lightweight 
<laughs> poppy stuff, really. Which was, you know, well, you, you were on, you mentioned Mary Wilson, didn't you? Um, sing with the Wilsations, yeah, yeah, that was one of the first, yeah, professional things that I did with Melvin. Mel, Mel, Mel. That happened, uh, because of a guy called Todd Taylor. I don't know if you know, oh, we had Todd as our guest a few weeks ago. Oh, well, there you go. Well, we Todd, know him, yeah. Todd Taylor was in a band called Advertising in the sort of mid 70s. Love that album. Um, yeah. Another band that we went to see Blondie, I think it was maybe 78, something like that, 1978, and advertising was supporting. And we thought, wow, this band are fantastic. So after that, we went just went through all the advertising gigs. Top Taylor and Paul Bultitude, the Francesca, they were in that band advertising. So we got very friendly with them because in the end, we were the only people going to see them, you know, because <laughs> they just wow. were getting less and less successful. Um, and yeah, so Top Taylor then, when advertising finished, he started a solo career. And he asked Melvin and I to be in a video for a, a, a song on his first solo album. So we went down to the studio. Oh. He, he wanted it to look like a big orchestra. So he wanted us to wear these kind of what we call monkey suits, you know, I don't know what you call them, not the monkeys. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, or, like crooner kind of suits, yeah. you know. So, you know, slick back hair and all that. And we, we did it just for the video. And then along came the whole thing with Mary Wilson, which Tot and Paul Bowditchew got involved with. And then Tot said, oh, look, we're doing a, a, some gigs with Mary Wilson. Would you and Melvin be interested in coming and doing the vocals in those kind of suits that you wore for the video clip? So we said, yeah, yeah. So I did it for a while, but I... I after about I don't know, 10, 12 gigs, I'm not sure how many it was, I thought, no, this is not for me. <laughs> I was, you know, it's that thing of finding something that you want to do for you, you know. And uh, I thought, well, it, it's great. And I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I saw my future, you know, being. Right. And, and so, yeah, um, so we we started the Jet Set around that same time. And and it was funny because we were doing both bands at the same time. We were doing the Jet Set. I remember one Friday night we did a Mary Wilson gig. The next day we went and made a video for the Jet Set. And then on the next day we played at the Rock Garden in the Jet Set, played at the Rock Garden in Covent Garden all in one weekend, you know. So it was like Mary Wilson video and then the Jet Set gig. <laughs> So yeah, at that time, were you uh, were you writing material all along yeah. the way, and then yeah, you know, I was just I was trying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still sing just what I always wanted. Do I sing it? <laughs> no, no. I said, can you sing it? I know you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard it. Actually, I'd, I'd left by then. When that? Oh, record, really? Okay. Yeah, I was gone. I was gone by then. Yeah. So. So you're, so you're writing along the way. I mean, as far as you know, what you're, what you're. Yeah, I mean, when we did, when we started the Jet Set, we only had eight songs that written, and some of those weren't very good. But so we were playing live and just playing the eight songs that we had, and then we stuck in a couple right. of cover versions to drag it out. We did. We used to do "Here We Go Round the Lemon Tree," you know that Move song. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a couple of other cover versions, just because we didn't have any more of our own songs, and then I. Thought, what about try and write some more? And so that's how it came. came about, really. Here we go. The oh, first yeah. album. Um, how did you get your deal with? How did you get your deal with the dance network? Well, again, that was uh, Paul Bartitude. It was his. It was his. His company. His baby. You know, he wow. he wanted to do it. You know, so 
it was created it specifically for, for us, I think. <laughs> Yeah, but so. but that's great. We, you know, we've interviewed so many people from uh, you know the '60s into the early '70s, and and they literally walk a, into a a big label with their tape and say, "Here we are. What do you think? Hey, they signed us." You know, and back yeah, in those yeah. days, you could get away with something like that. And right, as yeah. as you get into the '70s, yeah, '80s, and whatnot, that's what Tom Taylor yeah. told us that exact story. Yeah, with yeah. band with his band. Uh, I can't remember their name now, but in the mid in the mid '70s, special moment. Right in. I think they were called. A, I think they were called the Special Moment or something like that. That group. That could be. Yeah. They walked right into a in, into a label and said, "Sign us." Yeah, and, uh, and they did. You <laughs> could never do that now, but back then, yeah. Well, actually, I, I just remembered exactly what happened with the Jet Set. That Paul Bartitude took the recordings into Charisma Records, uh, okay. and the A&R guy there was a guy called oh, what was his name? Pete. I think it was Pete Jenner. He became. Billy Bragg's manager. I think he was involved in Pink Floyd in the 70s or 60s version. Yeah. Of uh, anyway, he absolutely loved it, loved the whole idea of it, saw the pictures, loved the records, said, yeah, we've got to do this. Let's do it. So I, I'd forgotten about that, actually. <laughs> and then so everything was prepared, the best of the Jet Set EP. And then I think Charisma were brought up by... I know, maybe Virgin or somebody. They were all that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. At that moment. And he left to manage Billy Bragg. And the people at Virgin saw this project that was going to be released and thought, what's what the hell is this? You know, and, <laughs> and no, no, no. And it was kind of scrap. So because we had it all ready to go, that's why Paul Bartitude set up the dance network and because it was just kind of ready to go, you know. And, uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> huh? Well, I, that, that's what we do here at Material Issues. We dig deep and yeah, yeah. people's memories. <laughs> um, I, I have to thank Rodney Bingenheimer, who uh, I'm sure you know. Um, of course, yeah. I met Rodney, Rodney on The Rock Show back in, yeah. in L.A. At, not long after I moved out here, he uh, he said, oh, and I got this really cool band. They, they're like the 60s, and they're called the Jet Set. And he played uh, Do You Want to Be in the Show? And that and I said, wow, okay, I got to find this somewhere. It took me a while at the time because, you know, I'm in L.A. and they don't bring in too many records from the no, U.K. No. But I finally found uh, the LP version of this and brought it home. It was like, wow, the love affair began. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Rodney was really brilliant. Because, again, it was that time when you didn't have any, there was no email, there was nothing. You had no idea what was going on anywhere else. You know, you, all you knew was people were buying the records because the distributors were telling you, oh, yeah, we sold 200 here, we sold 300 there. But you don't know who's buying why, why already. Happening, yeah. now, now it's like you know everybody that buys a record. <laughs> 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 How did Rodney find out about you? Um, I, I don't remember, but I remember a few people started writing from America saying, oh, I heard your record on Rodney's uh, Rodney on the Rock, yeah. Uh, and I remember one guy saying, yeah, it's getting loads of play there, which means that nobody else is going to play it anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, thought, though. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't really know. But, <laughs> well, uh, what, what, what they're saying is, you know, uh, Rod, Rodney or some of the stations that you would hear it on are the stations that are playing the stuff that doesn't, doesn't get on the uh, – on the big commercial stations, and that's yeah. why they make that kind of a comment, you know. 
that means nobody else is going to play it. It's because it's <clears throat> it's good stuff off off of uh, off the major label crap, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he was a real champion of that kind yeah. of stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. Great. <laughs> I think uh, I was contacted by Bart Mendoza. You know, Bart. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Oh, a good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, lovely guy, and he phoned me. Got my phone number and called me, you know, an international wow. call. You know, I was thinking, wow. So he said, you guys have got to come out here. You know, it's it's great. <clears throat> and he said, Anthony uh, from Squire was out there, you know, and I knew Anthony, obviously. And uh, so I said, okay, well, but it was really difficult because, you know, as a band, we couldn't all go out there and, and do it because everybody was working. It wasn't like a professional career. Um so I spoke with a guy called Ed Ball, who was in a group called The Times, yeah. and he's and we spoke with Anthony and said, "Well, let's let's sort of make a, a bit of a group between us." So, so we've got the drummer Simon Smith, who had been in the Merton Parkers and Mood Six, and, that, and I think he was currently was playing with The Times Edge Span. So, so the three of us went out to join Anthony, and we did some gigs in in California uh, playing. Jet Set songs, Time songs, you know, nice. songs. I wish I knew about that. <laughs> <laughs> and we did a thing on um, KUSF in San Francisco. Oh, yes. Where we kind of did this live thing where we just played loads of our songs. And, and that actually came out on a record as well, I think. Oh, yeah. Our good friend Jeff Shelton now has a, a show on KUSF. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it was, it was a great time. And I went back out there. A year later, and did some more gigs in. And he used to do is it New Sounds Festival or something, Bart in San Diego. Oh, okay, that had Bart set that up, I think. Yeah, yeah, and all those kind of bands: the Telltale Hearts, the Chesterfield Kings, oh, and, yeah. uh, the Nashville Ramblers. They were so good. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Um, for now, for people who never heard the Nashville Ramblers, I mean, they had a really iconic song called "The Trains." Oh, it's one of right. my favorite songs it's it's amazing but they also they i remember seeing them in the in the 90s they did a gig at, at spaceland in los angeles where all they did were obscure cover songs from the right. 60s um, <laughs> it's like i knew most of them because i'm into that stuff other people probably thought it were they were their songs it was amazing i mean no, they, they were such a great because tom the bass player was also playing with Man, manual scan at that time yeah. when i was over there because we I did some recording with Manu Scan, a few, two, two tracks that came out hmm. on EP. So let's get back to the Jets here for a moment. So, um, if we must, were you getting were you getting any any TV gigs or anything like well, that? As I said, you know, yeah. I mean, a, a guy from Spain uh, who's uh, he's kind of like a he's a bit like the Rodney Bingenheimer of Spain. Is a guy called Juan de Pablos. And he oh. had a show for years and years and years called Passion Flower. And he's the kind of guy that, like Rodney, played things that no other stations would be playing, you know. And, yeah, he was playing all the Jet Set stuff. He loved it. And then suddenly we were contacted by TVE, uh, the Spanish TV station, and they sent a... They said, oh, we're sending a crew over. Because, oh, he, he presented a TV show called Juan Bamalula, Juan Babalula, or something like that, you know. <laughs> and um, they said he, he wants uh, interviews. He wants uh, interviews with the Jet Set, Bob Geldof and Elvis Costello. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. 
anyway so they yeah they sent a tv crew over and they made a, a video with us we did it a video for a wednesday girl i think it was which is on on youtube yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> he and he's presenting it's from the show it went, it went out in 86 i think it was yeah so yeah from that oh god get i'm sorry yeah yeah no uh it, it, it was funny. There were a few journalists in some of the big music papers in the UK, one called Sounds. I don't know if you remember that. It was yeah. A, yeah. a very big music paper. And, uh, and one guy there just hooked onto the jet set big time. So we had like features in there, five-star album reviews. Right. And from that, you know, people, you know, and then that whole, that whole mod scene that kind of went underground at that time, you know, because it was pretty much – mainstream had finished by around 82 uh, you know the whole mod thing as far as the music press were concerned was finished it was over you know <laughs> yeah now this is your this is of course go bananas oh yeah which, which has commercials in between some of the songs were you, was this inspired by the who sell out in any way do you know i have to admit i've never heard of the who sell out when we did that but uh, <laughs> lots of people yeah. pointed it out to me <laughs> but um but no, again, that was another idea of Paul Paul Waldichude. He said to me oh, when I was going out, I think it was the, maybe the first or the second trip I went to California. He said, "Oh, just record some stuff from the radio when you're there, and we'll we'll use it in between track." So a lot of that stuff is just stuff I recorded off the radio when I was in California, and then other things we made up silly jingles for fake products, jet set jellies or jet set drinks or something. Like yeah. I can't. Which is exactly what the Who did, but yeah, you didn't yeah. know. Which no, obviously didn't know. Yeah, idea. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little Miss Rainbows on that album, and I have to say that's my favorite Jet Set song. I mean, when job. I think about the band, that one for me that codifies everything right there. Um, right. Yeah. 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 I remember you. I remember you in um, uh, Liverpool saying, you know, after we'd finished, you know. Have you got little this rainbow in your <laughs> no? So the next time we played, I made sure we we had it. For yeah, you. it was a great thrill just for you. <laughs> and then, uh, thank you very much for that. But then, Vaudeville Park was a little bit more, I would say, maybe a little more genteel, a little bit more majestic. Yeah, it was kind of had a kinks feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. It was kind of a move back to more of an English record, whereas the first two were very American influenced, like the Monkees and that whole bubblegum thing, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, then that yeah, Vaudeville Park was much more kind of your small faces, kinks, that kind of, you know. What we call British psychedelia, or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good one. And then, then of course, the last album was there. Right. I, I had read that there was some acrimony in the band at this point, and maybe oh, you don't uh, want to talk about that. But is that is that true? It's been a long, long time. I mean, that's my favorite Jet Set album. <laughs> Me too, actually. I think it's the but, most consistent. Yeah, but yeah, it was. It, it just. I mean, to be honest with you, after the previous album, Lord of the Park, I didn't, I didn't really want to continue. You know, I thought that's it. You know, that's enough. But it's difficult when you've got friends in a group with you, and you're, you're the kind of creative force as far as songwriting goes. And it's that thing that I always equate it to when people are playing football and somebody says, "Oh, I'm going home now, and I'm taking my ball." You know, <laughs> and and so everyone says, "But hang on." We, we want to continue playing. Well, it's my ball. I'm off, you know. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a little bit like that, to be honest with you. You know, uh, that's, that's how it felt 
uh, and they really badgered me into doing that last album. And I'm glad, really, because I actually thought it was a good record. But mm-hmm. but it really was like, because when I said I didn't want to do it anymore, it was like, well, what are we going to do? And I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'm not responsible for <laughs> <laughs> your lives. You know what I mean? It's, it, 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 it's, all the pressure is on you. Like, well, if I said, well, you write some songs, you continue doing it, you know. But nobody, nobody did. So, anymore. And that was it. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of all this, you you released the happiest days of, of your life, which um, and I remember the first time I saw that album, I said, and maybe you've gotten this, maybe you haven't, maybe I'm just nuts, but I said, what's Fred Savage doing on the cover of uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that album? Did, yeah, you, yeah. Get, did you get that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> all that show it was the Wonder Years, wasn't it? That show yeah, yeah, yeah. On, at that time in the mid '80s, it was just on TV here. It was a massive show, yeah. And anybody that saw it said, "Oh, that guy." Yeah, it, and, and and when I went to California, you know, everybody there was saying, "Wow, it's Fred Savage." Yeah, <laughs> you were even getting it as an adult then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, for those who don't know, it's a it's a picture of you as a child, and of course, Fred Savage was a child actor, so. I yeah. thought, wow, it's got, I mean, maybe he's just a Wonder Years fan or something. <laughs> I don't know. But, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but that album, that album seems to be way more reflective of maybe some of that stuff that you were listening to when you were younger. Right. It's, yeah. it's a lot more, it's a lot softer, more Bacharachian, I suppose. You yeah. Could say. yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I'd written those songs for the jet set, but. Paul Voltitude, the guy said, "Yeah, these these are not right for the jet set. You know, you should do it as a a side yeah. project. You know, and so yeah. we did. You know, but, uh, and then after the jet set broke up, then you had Small Town Parade, which uh, is a, is more swirly, kind of psychedelic. I mean, to be honest with you, I was I have to admit I was totally lost at that point <laughs> in my life. You know, and I was just we I'd just signed a, a big publishing deal uh, with a Japanese company." And they were saying, this is what you should be doing. Everybody was saying, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be doing. And, you know, uh, when you've just finished one band, you really don't have any idea what you should be doing, you know. Mm, Right. So I I kind of went along with everything that was happening at that time, you know, that that very sort of Manchester groovy kind of thing. That was, again... My heart wasn't in it. I have to say, it was all a bit fake for me. And, and that band, it, ironically, had quite a lot of success from a, yeah. from a point of view of like, you know, they were everywhere, you know, <laughs> and we were on TV and in all the music papers and all that sort of thing. But it was just, it wasn't, my heart wasn't it in wasn't it. It wasn't you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I felt really bad because the guys who were in that band, I me, mean, I think, were really kind of enjoying it. But I wasn't, and so when it and, and once again you were writing, uh, yeah, you were, you were writing the material, so you just took your ball and went home. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think I've been guilty of that several times. But it's funny, like in a group, it's almost like a marriage, you know. And then when it breaks up, you know, it's like the whole acrimonious divorce thing, you know. It's, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Especially when you. When you, as you said, you're the guy. You're you're doing uh, you're doing the writing. You're 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 bringing the backbone to it. And um, if if your heart's not in it, and, and you're looking for something else, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. 
it's like being the boss and saying, you know, I'm, I'm done with this company. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. yeah. And all the employees say, well, what about my job? Could you imagine being in a band where you, where you weren't the, the main songwriter? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was in a band where somebody else was a fantastic songwriter and I was thinking, wow, this is great. <laughs> I'd have no problem with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, some you, uh, people just have to be the man, and you know, sometimes you, some people don't. I guess. Yeah. And and you've co-written, you've co-written for a number uh, number of artists and things. Do you find yeah. do you do you find uh, any more pleasure in co-writing, uh, working with others, or do you? I mean, to be honest, or, I'd ra I'd rather be a writer than an artist. You know, I mean, that's I'm I'm really. Uh, uh, Jimmy Webb, you know, that's what I want to do. You know, imagine you write you write Wichita Lyman on a piano, you stick it on a cassette, give it to Glenn Campbell, and then the next time you hear it, that record will, you know, oh, wow, yeah. and all that thing. And you, I think that is my absolute dream, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, just write a song, chords, you know, the melody, the lyrics, give it to somebody, and then the next time you hear it, it's Wichita Lyman. You know? It's huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for you, I mean, I'm looking at a list of people who you wrote for, and I see Mary Wilson and Edward Ball, um, but also Puffy, the huge Japanese girl. Oh, yeah. 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 How funny did that enough, well, funny enough, that was came from Small Town Parade, that group, because we were signed to uh, Epic, Epic Sony Publishing, uh, who also had Puffy. And they, the two girls, I mean, I didn't know anything about Puffy, but they were huge in Japan. And they'd heard one track on the first Small Town Parade album, and they loved it so much they wanted to cover it. But then they decided they didn't want to cover it because it already been out by somebody else, even though nobody knew us from anybody. You know? <laughs> uh, so, so they asked me if I could write a song similar to that for them. So oh. I thought... <laughs> okay, I'll have a go. So I just took the chords and put them in a the reverse order and changed it around. <laughs> I made a demo of it and sent it off thinking, well, they're never going to do it. And the next thing I knew, they said, oh, yeah, they love it and they're going to record it. It's going to be a single. It's going to be on the album. And it was also used as a theme from a, a Japanese cartoon TV show called Right, Tokyo right, yeah. Pig. So it was, it was huge, yeah. I mean, that album sold something like, half a million copies in Japan, you know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's your Jimmy Webb moment there for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, your, your dream was your starting to come true. And, well, it did. I mean, half a million albums is nothing to shake your head at, you know? Wow. wow. <laughs> when did you get to know the guys from the Eddies, the twin, the twin brothers? Um, again, through Bart, that is. I mean, mo almost everybody that I know in San Diego or California or whatever is through Bart. <laughs> and I think, yeah, that, I think they came to a few gigs that we did over there. They were fans of, of the Jet Set, and they covered a couple of tracks, I think. I'm, I'm not sure. Or maybe mm -hmm. one, at least. <laughs> you know. Yeah, cool. Didn't their label release the tribute to the Jet Set? Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was Mark uh, Mark Legale's label, Twist Records, or or was uh, yeah, Twist was Dale and Dean's. They were running it in the uh, yeah, in the, yeah. 
Yeah, they did. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that that's a fun. That's. I mean, that. I mean, that has to be really flattering, though. Yeah. Oh, I mean, of course, when you think about how many fantastic songs are out out there in the world that people have written, and somebody is actually covering one of yours, you just think, "Wow!" I mean, it's the ultimate accolade, isn't it? Really, you know. You know, because I mean, even I wouldn't cover one of mine. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> And you've got what, what's you're the, still uh, writing so you're still writing songs and recording them and uh, yeah, you know this you album just came out and yeah. uh, it's you know uh, it's really wonderful some beautiful soft pop on here yeah yeah um, i'm yeah. very happy with that i mean it's quite often you're not you know you you do something and you think well it's okay but it's not how i imagined it it's not how i dreamed it but the album really is exactly what i wanted <laughs> it came out really well Sometimes. Well, and uh, it's being talked about. I've I've got this graphic to pop up here. You'll recognize this, the brand new Shindig. All right. Five yeah. stars, whoa. Yeah. Five star review for A Balloon to the Moon, um, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, that that's that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. The guy was, I mean, you know, and it's great when it's somebody you don't know as well, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody who writes that, and you think because it's always difficult when you make a record, you play it to your friends, and they will say, Oh, yeah, it's great, it's great. But you think, Yeah, but you're gonna say that, you know, of course. Well, that that, that review top to bottom was just glowing, and oh, God, uh, yeah, and it, it almost was like it was, shindig, um, it is not easy to do that, and okay. it's almost like it was a friend of yours, like, Who did you know? But <laughs> exactly. you, you, you yeah, don't yeah. know him, and someone like that talks that, that highly of it. Yeah. Uh, that's wonderful. Congratulations on that. Indeed. What made you decide to start writing? Sorry. Uh, what made what got you to decide to start writing again after after so many writing and recording after so many years? Well, it was the co the dreaded COVID lockdown, wasn't it? You know, like yeah. everybody else. You know, the, I'm sure a million albums have come out of the COVID lockdown. You yes. know, and books and paintings and uh, loads of creative things. You know, it was. Uh, it was just through that I I was stuck in in Barcelona, <laughs> couldn't see anybody, couldn't go anywhere. I spoke to a guy that I'd worked with on La Sonette's in the studio there, and uh, I said to him, "Are you going to your studio still during the lockdown?" He said, "Yeah, what I do is I take a shopping trolley with me, full of food, like bread and tins of stuff, and because if you get stopped by the police in the street when you're out and you're not supposed to be, yeah, you know, <laughs> whoa." You could only go to the supermarket or things like that. Right, right. That, that was his thing, you know. So he used to walk to his studio every day with a shopping trolley full of food, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did the same thing. I'd fill up a carrier bag with some, you know, bread and stuff like that and just walk to his studio with a carrier bag and a, in case the police uh, <laughs> yeah, right. crazy. Yeah, I know, right? I didn't really think about it. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, and we worked on that over a, a couple of months and uh uh yeah it worked and the, the girls from lafanets came and and sang those great backing vocals and stuff so yeah it's, well, uh, it's I'll, I'll ask a question that mark normally asks because yeah there we go ask it, but what what's your songwriting process uh well i, I don't know if there is a process is there or process as we say process, um, yeah yeah, it's a, it's just different every time, isn't it? Sometimes I'll be watching TV and I'll hear somebody say something in a film or a show or something. The title "There Goes a Neighborhood" came from a Clint Eastwood film called Firefox. I don't know if you know that film, where he steals a Russian fighter plane 
you know, and <laughs> get it get it back to of America. It does. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just one line when the, he took off from the, some ice where they had to refuel in some Antarctic place or something like that, and then the Russians arrived and the Americans said, oh, the Russians are here, and one guy just says, oh, there goes the neighborhood. You know, like, <laughs> so then there, that begs the question then for you, is it is it lyrically? Is it a phrase uh, that catches you first, and uh, then from there you move into music, or are you humming? Uh, generally it's music first, I have to say. You know, right, or, okay. It's something in particular lyrically that catches you, and you think, oh, yeah, I need to make a song out of that. Like, mm. I mean, that song you were talking about earlier, it's got to stop somewhere. That just came from uh, one morning looking out the window, it's pouring with rain, and you think as far as you could see, it's raining. But you know at some point it's not raining, you know. And so <laughs> that rain has to stop somewhere, you know. It's like right. the line where you can walk into the rain and back out again, surely. <laughs> right, right. And that's and that's just that's a matter of uh, really good songwriters just have that perspective. It's yeah. a perspective. It's a it's a recognizing, you know, the, the the subtle little things that are out there. And when when you think about something like, well, the rain's got to stop somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that well, takes you. <laughs> it just it's wonderful to talk to songwriters that, that can really do it well. And uh, it's because it's just who who was. Who did? Who told us? Jason Faulkner. He said, "Well, that's talent." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yes, Indeed. yes, yes it is." You, What's that? Well, sorry. What did he say when you said? He that? said, "That's talent." That's it's talent. Called, it's right. called talent, you know, and uh, and and that's what that's what you have. Yeah, you, you have a talent for turning turning something into something, and uh, it always fascinates me whether you're sitting, you're driving in your car, you're walking around, you're just going like, "La la." La, 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 la. And then we'll figure that out later, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it happened. One song on this Balloon to the Moon, that came, just the melody came to me when I was laying in bed one night. And I actually got up about two in the morning and thought, oh, this is really good. I need to record it. I didn't, you know, because I don't, I think I didn't even have a mobile phone then, you know, I'm not sure. So I had to go to my computer and put on that, you know, you could record, you know, through the microphone and just sing the melody few times so because i knew if i went back to sleep i'd i'd never remember it the next morning sure and i'm sure there's been plenty of mornings where you've gone back to the computer hit play and gone oh, yeah, the hell was that <laughs> yeah. i think i've got about 100 voicemails on my phone with me going <laughs> did you did you manage to avoid covid I hope so. No, I didn't. I, got, I, I I did while I was in Spain, and I came back here in October, moved back here in October, and within two weeks I had it. Luckily, I'd had my injections, but I still yeah. had really, really bad. I mean, I, I got viral pneumonia at the same time. Oh, so wow. I, in, I was in hospital for a while. Um, yeah, it was horrible. horrible. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, so, we're so glad you're better now. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Are you ready to go out and start gigging again, or will that be? Yeah, you're going to ask me about Liverpool now. Well, I'm not, I, well, yeah, but I, I, I was, I wasn't going to, but in general, are you, are you ready to go out and, and gig yet? Yeah, I, I want to go out and play some tracks from this album for sure. Yeah, uh, the, the logistics of it all, shall we say? You know, it's you know because uh, like people that I play with are in other bands too. Uh, at the moment, people are only just starting to play again over here. You know, it's been such a long time, and now people are doing gigs and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I want to do some gigs this year. Uh, when you asked me about um, 
the IPI in Liverpool, a friend of mine also <laughs> asked me if I'd uh, dep and do, do some uh, guitar on it with his band because the guitarist had left and he's doing some gigs uh, and that's in May, you know. So I thought, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we, you know, we, uh, we certainly hope that you do go out and gig and, you know, whenever you want to play Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Year, next year, whenever. I love, I love those. You know, I came back year after year. You know, I love those shows. You know, they, they're really great. I mean, and but it's so, it, the more people involved, you know, you have to find, I remember one time when you were doing it, there was a kind of football tournament on or something. Well, like that, that. that was really strange, <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, that, that hasn't happened since. But yeah. That yeah, was, uh, that was we beyond had a weird. terrible time finding a hotel, and in the end, we found a hotel where we all had to stay sleep in the same room. You know, all of us, <laughs> like ten people in one room. You know, I think they, I think it was a some kind of it looked like a porn set hotel or something like that. You know, but yeah. Was, oh, then I guess I've been there. <laughs> yeah, you were right next door to where Dave would stay. Would stay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sometimes it just works out wonderfully. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's difficult that thing finding hotels and you know. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, Paul, it. this has been so much fun. Uh, no, yeah, we're really, we're really thankful that you were able to to come on. We're so glad that you're better. And despite the fact that you you know you may not want to acknowledge it, you really are an extremely talented uh, singer songwriter. Oh, and, uh, I love your music. I, <laughs> Every project you've done. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, no, I'm serious. I don't think of talented songwriters. I see Colin Swan. You've got to get him on there. He's a great songwriter. Well, we love Colin. It's been a while since the since the direct hits played IPO Liverpool, but we'll have him back one day. And yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. we're happy to have him on the show too. We will. Yeah, yeah, no, you got to get him on. He's a great, he's a good raconteur as well, Colin. He's got. Oh, is that right? Okay, that's even better then. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we wish you the best with the uh, with the new album. Um, uh, great, great review in Shindig and. Yeah. And, and hopefully it, it uh, you get out there playing behind it. It does really well. Um, yeah. You know, big round of applause for you, my friend. Yesterday, sorry to interrupt, is that the Rough Trade are stocking the album, you know, which is really a hard oh, nice. yeah. you know, because <laughs> it's, it's hard for anyone to stock these things, you know. I mean, you can sell them online or whatever, but to actually have it in a shop is amazing. Great. Oh, that yeah. is great. Well, good, you know, best of luck with yes, everything. You know, uh, I know it's late there, so uh, we'll let you go. But have a have a have a great rest of 2022, and we'll we'll stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, brilliant guys. Thank you, right, Paul. Have a great, great night. Thank you. Thank great you. God bless. Thank you. I love it. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Good night. Yeah. Oh, he, he's, he's he's yeah. He he's such a humble, self-effacing guy, but he's uh, he's done a lot. And oh um, my gosh, yes, he's really uh, yeah, just a talent and. You're just very sweet person. Oh, thank you, Andy. As always, we yes, we appreciate you uh, you being on. Um, I'm going to be uh, Andy. If you're still there, I'm going to be dropping a bombshell about Liverpool next uh, uh, tomorrow uh, in a private email to all the bands. So uh, yeah, look out for that. It's uh, it's nothing. It's nothing particularly bad, and it won't. It won't affect searching for Sylvia in any way. We look forward to having you guys in Liverpool. But uh, 
Yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just different. Something different. It's, yeah. it's uh, something different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now anyway. for something completely different. <laughs> and 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 more different stuff. We will be having some amazing guests uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, we have two that we haven't announced yet. Um, but we will. Uh, well, let's recap what we have announced next week. We have uh, the first of hopefully more artists who have actually had a number one hit on the charts and uh he's still active he's going to be touring he still writes and records great music and we'll be honored to have mr gilbert o'sullivan on uh material issues a week from today but three hours earlier to yeah. uh to accommodate um you know he's uh you know paul had mentioned age and uh you know gilbert still going strong but you know he's in his 70s and he likes to get to bed early so We'll yeah, be so starting. next Wednesday, 3 p.m. Yeah. Eastern, noon Pacific. Noon and 8 p.m. GMT. Oh, um, and uh, the next week, uh, we're going to have a man who was in a band uh, during Gilbert O'Sullivan's heyday, actually. The band was the Raspberries. And um, this, was, this man was a great singer-songwriter, contributed a lot to what a lot of people consider the Raspberry's best album, starting over, that would be Mr. Scott McCarl. Um, and his uh, his solo record, Play On, is being reissued with bonus tracks. Nice. So, uh, so this is very timely. And speaking of power pop, on March 2nd, we're going to have what, you know, some people consider the godfather of power pop review writing and essay writing because he started the first magazine completely devoted to the genre, Yellow Pills. And um, you know, Yellow Pills was a benchmark for so many people, especially you know, people like me who didn't know there were that many people out there who loved Power Pop and learned through Yellow Pills that indeed there were. And that would be Mr. Jordan Oaks yeah. um, of Yellow Pills. We will have him on on March 2nd. Uh, and now the next two guests we we, we hadn't announced uh, up until now. On March 9th, we have a guitar, the guitar player from one of the most iconic power pop and rock bands, certainly in our world. Um, there are people who feel they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it certainly wouldn't disappoint me if they were. Um, and, uh, you know, tragedy befell the band when their uh, main singer-songwriter up uh, uh, Pat Denizio passed away a few years ago, but you know they recruited Marshall Crenshaw, and they're still they're still uh, playing live, yeah. and hopefully there'll be an album. But this is a guitar player, very nice man. Um, it should be a lot of fun having Mr. Jim Babjack on yeah, March night, and great. Uh, we're hoping to get uh, Smithereens drummer Dennis Dyken on along with him. Um, we uh, we haven't confirmed that yet, but uh, hopefully that'll happen. But I if not, you know, Jim, uh, I've uh, listened to Jim tell stories. Uh, when Rena and I, one time when he played IPO with his band Buzz Meg, he regaled us for an hour with all kinds of amazing stories. We were in stitches. So <laughs> we know this is going to be a lot it's of fun. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. yeah. And then March 16th, um, a, um, a very... Uh, a very important and uh, prolific UK songwriter. He wrote he wrote hits for uh, Manfred Mann, like Ha Ha Said the Clown. He wrote he wrote some hits for the Hollies, including Listen to Me. He recorded kind of like Graham Goldman. He was you know he was 
some people might say the poor man's Graham Goldman, but I think he's uh, pretty rich. And he did a, he did a similar thing to Graham. Graham Goldman recorded an album called The Graham Goldman Thing uh, back in the, in the late 60s, in which he recorded versions of songs he'd given to other bands that they had hits with, like like The Yardbirds for Your Love and uh, right. No Milk Today by Herman's Hermits and things like that. Uh, Tony Hazard, our yep. guest on March 16th, did the same thing. Uh, with an album called The Hazard Sings Hazard. And uh, and he did wonderful versions of the songs that he'd uh, given to other people. So yeah, Mr. Tony Hazard is, uh, is, awesome. is going to be on. And he's a really nice man. He played IPO a few years ago and was still excellent. And that album that I mentioned, that is that too is being reissued. And um, it's, it's a really good one. So hopefully... Uh, if you don't know Tony, hopefully you'll become familiar with his music. I know you'll love it. So, yeah, he will be on March 16th. And then, as usual, some irons in the fire um, will, you know, once they come to fruition, we'll be able to announce them. But, yeah, we've got the next month plus. We've got some yeah. great, great guests. And, of course, we always say if you're watching this or you know people that be interested, let them know. You know, go on to, the, go on to Facebook and join the Material Issues group. We don't Please. spam with a ton of emails and things, but we do uh, send out a couple of notices before the live show so you know who's coming up next week. Uh, and if you can't catch it there, subscribe over at the YouTube channel at materialissues.com. And on both of those, all the shows are archived. You can go back and watch all 38 episodes that have already been done here at Material Issues. But we appreciate the support. We appreciate people uh, checking in. And, of course, so many people watch on the archives uh, just because it's better for them time-wise. But, um, yeah, join us. Subscribe. We're going to keep it going with, with these fantastic guests that you don't see everywhere. You know, this no, is great. I mean, how often do you how often do you see Paul Bevois talking about the jet set for 45 minutes? It's no, no, awesome. we're really we're really privileged. We're privileged to know people who've, you know, who are in the in the biz, who have uh done things in the biz for years and years. Uh so it's it's been great. And uh we're just awesome. gonna continue to do it as long as we can. All right. Well, David, as always, absolute pleasure hanging with you on a on a Wednesday early evening, late afternoon for you. And I look forward to next week, uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan. Yes, just remember, up. three hours earlier, we'll certainly yeah. be posting on, on material issues about that to remind you. Um, and hopefully that works out better for some people anyway. But, yeah, we look forward to Gilbert, Gilbert O'Sullivan. Um, should be great as uh, as they usually are. So, yeah, Mark, it was a pleasure as always. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and um, you know we'll talk. Of course, we'll talk to and you soon. Listening, have a great rest of your Wednesday. Well, if you're in the UK, you you now are starting off your Thursday. But uh, everyone, <laughs> just uh, stay safe. Take care. We'll see you again next be healthy. week. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.